You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Welcome back to Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media. I'm your host, as always, Charles Hammerker. I apologize for the quick hiccup to begin things there. Uh, we're in the middle of the month of May. The heat, man, goodness. You know, I know uh, folks, whether they're transplanted from California or, you know, they're used to heat in different spots. Forgive me. I am not used to the heat here in Seattle. So when we get that, you know, when it's 80 like it was today, um, I apologize. This is being recorded in advance. Uh, due to some some fun things we're doing on Monday, uh, so so it was Sunday, the 14th Mother's Day when this was recorded. Uh, a quick Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there that you know support us. My mother um, was was huge, obviously in everything that I do. Uh, but I, uh, my grandmother's played a, a very big mother role in my life. Um, so I want to I want to wish Happy Mother's Day to my mom and my grandmother. Uh, firstly. To get things going but anyway the heat yeah the heat i i don't do well in the heat so uh we'll continue on here uh with our with our show today uh monday may 15th things are starting to pick up you know there was a while there where uh the seahawks and the storm kind of were dormant uh, and we didn't have much to go on in those teams and now they they have be, the seahawks here will will kind of stop things for a bit but regardless, things are things are busy for them right now, uh, and the storm are about to get underway for the regular season. So, with all that being taken into consideration, we're going to move on here to the Seahawks segment of the show, where we get straight into sort of team notes here. Uh, on the ninth of the month, the team invited linebacker Dylan Moses to rookie minicamp. He's a two-time All-American and a two-time national champion, last playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So some more linebacker depth there again outside of Devin Bush and Bobby Wagner until Jordan Brooks returns from his injury. Seattle's trying to figure out some linebacker spots uh, and who they will have on the outsides there as they continue to run that 3-4 defense this season. And then on the 10th, the team signed running back Bryant Kobach to fill out their 90-man roster. He will be at that rookie minicamp. I uh, spent some time in the NFL, was with the Vikings previously. So that'll be interesting to see. Had a 1,400-yard season in 2021 his last year. Uh, ooh, shoot. What state? Uh, I want to say it was Toledo. I apologize. I, I thought I had a better – it was Toledo. Hey, I remembered that. So that's good. Um, on the 11th, there were some roster-related moves. Uh, the team restructured wide receiver Tyler Lockett's deal. Uh, they converted $8.53 million of his base salary into a signing bonus, creating $5.6 million. million into cap space. Then later on in the day, a move was made to sign defensive end Mario Edwards. Edwards uh, signed a one-year deal. He's a nine-year veteran. He had three sacks and seven starts for the Titans last year. So limited action, obviously. uh, But, uh, you know, any sort of front seven move here is Seattle looking to improve their pass rush against pass rush has been an, an issue for this team for a while. They had tried to address it in the draft uh, with Derek Hall, Cameron Young coming in. Uh, we'll get to mini camp here in a second. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Maybe a bug there. Um, but yeah, Seattle obviously looking to address the pass rush issue. And that's a reason for bringing in Edwards, despite the limited time, uh, Pete Carroll said at the beginning of free agency, they had a discussion with Edwards and they liked what they saw from him. So now they're bringing him in uh, after restructuring Lockett's deal. Uh, we're going to quickly go over here, rookie minicamp, some some takeaways from rookie minicamp. Uh, the Seattle's two top picks were relatively quiet. Uh, oh, where did we go? Uh, Devon Witherspoon and Jackson Smith and Jigba were limited participants due to hamstring injuries that they dealt with during the pre-draft process. Uh, they did participate in walkthroughs and some positional drills, but did sat, sit out during the team periods in seven-on-seven. Seven. They're both precautionary measures. I know that there was concern with Jackson Smith and Jigba um, 
as he missed 2022, most of 2022 with a lingering hamstring. Uh, but he said he's taking it slow and taking it one step at a time. And then he feels 100% ready to go. Um, Smith and Jigbo was spending a lot of time with the receivers coach, Sanjay Lal, um, who is also the passing game coordinator. Uh, he would join the huddle. Then when the player at his position went to line of scrimmage, he would stand about 10 yards behind him and mimic his stance in any pre-snap motion. So he's basically, not to use the word again, but going through the motions despite not technically being involved. Um, Seattle does have uh, three of their uh, draftees under contract and Cameron Young, uh, first, oh, their first year nose tackle. Ah, okay, sorry. Uh, Cameron Young is under contract. Jonah Tavai out of San Diego State is under contract. And then there was one more I missed. Where did he go? Robert Cooper out of Florida State, FSU. So I know that was a big issue without Woods signing somewhere. Seattle wanted to bring Woods back um, at a lower price than he initially would have come at, but they didn't do that. They do like that Cameron Young came into uh, minicamp, uh, adding, I believe, 20 more pounds than he had at the draft. Um <laughs> trying to get all the notes that I had on, on mini camp here. The coach Carroll did confirm that the team will sign Mario Edwards. Uh, they don't have any contract terms recently available, which is interesting. Uh, he's a 29 year old. He had 11 quarterback hits last year uh, with those three sacks that I mentioned. Um, <laughs> yeah, nothing too crazy in terms of stats. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. They Seattle is expecting Edwards to immediately factor into the pass rush packages. So yeah, they're, again, this is all something that Seattle is looking to get after the quarterback, um, and that's you know a big big aspect of things here. Obviously, um, as Seattle tries to help out their secondary after the pass game, really took a pass defense game really took a hit last year, um, and they just couldn't really rush the quarterback in general. In addition, you know, with the nose tackle trying to sturdy up that run defense a bit more as well. So uh, those are notes from rookie minicamp. It's a very small thing. And the NFL calendar, calendar kind of gets boring. Uh, we have, there's a May meeting uh, around the NFL, but that's about it for a while. So that might be the last of the sort of Seahawks things that we hear uh, for a bit outside of maybe injury news and maybe free agent stragglers here and there. Uh, the 2023-2024 schedule has been released. <coughs> Excuse me. And the preseason games, I don't believe we have any more Seattle information because they we were given the who the team's going to play, but not the times and such for the preseason. We'll see here. Oh, yeah, we do. Okay. Nope, nope. To be determined still. Great, 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 great. <laughs> so the preseason, um, typically Team Seattle doesn't really play during the preseason week one versus the Vikings at Lumen Field, week two versus the Cowboys at uh, Lumen Field, and then week three at Green Bay at Lambeau. So Vikings and Cowboys at home weeks one and two, and then the Green Bay Packers on the road in week three for the preseason. Then the regular season begins um, as Seattle looks to build off the impressive 2022-2023 season that nobody expected them to have except for maybe themselves. Starting here, week one, September 10th versus the LA Rams at home with a 1.25 p.m. start. So Seattle gets to start things off with how they ended last season against the Rams at home. It's always nice to start the season at home. It just feels better, in my opinion. Week two, they head out on the road on September 17th to play the Detroit Lions. I apologize. I had baseball in the mind there with the Tigers. Detroit Lions with a 10 a.m. start. Then week three, September 24th, they come back home versus the Panthers and Bryce Young, the number one overall draft pick with a 1.05 p.m. start. Uh, week four, Headed back out in the road, you're going to notice a little bit of a pattern here. Seattle does not play any back-to-back -back 10 a.m. road games, which is nice. Um, but regardless, um, week four, October 2nd at the New York Giants. That's a Monday night football game at 5.15 p.m. Pacific time. That's Seattle's first primetime game of the year, heading out to play the New York football Giants on Monday night. Week five is their bye week, a bit of an early bye week, uh, not – the most helpful is Seattle has a tough stretch towards the end of the year, but it's not like we can do anything about it. Week six, October 15th at the Cincinnati Bengals is a 10 a.m. game. That'll be a big one. Joe Burrow and that Bengals team, 
that should be in a top the uh, near or around the top of the AFC again this year. Uh, week seven, October twenty second versus the Arizona Cardinals at home. That's a one o five p.m. game. The first time they play the Cardinals. Week eight, October 29th versus the Cleveland Browns and Deshaun Watson at 1.05 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, first time the Browns have been here since, I believe, Johnny Manziel was the quarterback uh, a few years ago uh, when they came to Seattle. Week nine is November 5th at the Baltimore Ravens, a 10 a.m. start. So they head out to Baltimore for the first time since, I believe actually Chris Matthews had a, a good game in that year. Russell Wilson had three passing touchdowns, I believe. Um, week 10, November 12th. Is this on the, oh yes, we have to switch to the second half here. Um, week 10, November 12th versus the Washington Commanders at 1.25 p.m. Pacific. Uh, week 11, November 19th at the Rams, 1.25 p.m. So they finish off their two games against Los Angeles. Uh, week 12, this is where things start to get interesting and more and more interesting. November 23rd versus the 49ers, uh, 5.20 p.m. game. That is Thanksgiving, and that is Thursday night football. So Seattle gets the primetime game on Thanksgiving in their own building. That'll be a really big set. Uh, week 14, nope, I skipped one. Week 13. So Seattle has back-to-back primetime games. Uh, week 13, November 30th at the Cowboys is a 5.15 p.m. game. So they're on the road, and it's a Thursday night game. So they have back-to-back Thursday night games. Um, I believe there's a stretch of three games within 12 days, which is kind of rough. Um, and then week 14, they will play the Niners two times in three weeks. December 10th versus the Niners is a 1.05 p.m. Uh, start time. Oops, that's at the 49ers. I apologize. Week 15, December 17th versus the Eagles at 1.25 p.m. Pacific. So the reigning NFC champs, Seattle, uh, will host them and Jalen Hurts in his big new contract. Week 16, December 24th, Christmas Eve at the Tennessee Titans on the road, which is a 10 o'clock start. Week 17, the last road game of the year, December 31st, New Year's Eve versus the Pittsburgh Steelers is a 1.05 p.m. start. And then week 18 on the road at the Cardinals to finish out the regular season. Time to be determined, the regular season finale. So that is, <coughs> excuse me, the 2023-24 regular season slate for our Seahawks, who are hopefully looking to build off of, again, a surprise postseason berth this past season, uh, adding what looks to be some key uh, draft pieces this year. Um and adding a few big names in the in free agency as well. And Draymond Jones, obviously Bobby Wagner, who you just saw on the screen um, and, and get Jamal Adams back at some point uh, during the year as well. Uh, John Schneider wouldn't comment on a specific timeline, uh, but this did say that he was progressing well and they're excited to try and get him back for, you know, the first few years he's been here, obviously been banged up with injury. Uh, so they're looking to get him back full swing and, Get forward to that, obviously. Oh, Julian Love, talking to safety, is another key free agent addition uh, for Seattle. So, uh, quick stop in league related news. May 12th, Tom Brady is reportedly eyeing ownership, um, a stake there with the Raiders. The retired quarterback is in deep discussions to become a limited partner of the franchise, which is very interesting, at least considering if you know Tom Brady's history with the Raiders, but I digress. And then on the 12th, also, the Washington Commanders were finally sold. The Josh Harris ownership group that includes Magic Johnson agreed to buy the team from the Snyder family. So that hopefully is the last of that saga, uh, and I can stop having to worry about talking about the Commanders. So we move over here now uh, to our Seattle Mariners, who um, finished up a quick six-game road trip and headed out on a nine-game trip on the eastern side of the country uh, with some tough teams to play, beginning with a little bit of an easier team to play. Uh, this will give them a fight in game three. But we'll get to it, uh, beginning with the three-game set against the Texas Rangers to finish out that homestand. Um, May 8th versus the Rangers was a 1-2 to two loss. Our player of the game, first baseman, Ty France. France, one hit, one run, one RBI. It was a solo, solo homer. It was the only run that the Mariners would get across um, in that game, unfortunately. Uh, just a tough one. Logan Gilbert didn't pitch a bad game, but John Gray across from him pitched uh, arguably an even better one. And the Seattle bats obviously didn't uh, put up much of a fight either, considering how they've been uh, for the majority of the year. May 9th. Oh, wait, 
our photo of the game by Liz Walter. Uh, Ty trying to catch the sunflower seeds in his mouth after that solo homer as he holds the trident there. Um, it's I, it's always fun to see the different trident shots that our photographers get. Uh, this one is no different considering, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, <laughs> trying to catch the sunflower seeds, which have become part of the Trident celebration, if you've seen uh, any of those. May 9th versus the Rangers, a bounce back five to nothing win. So Seattle is able to shut out, again, a Texas team. I don't know if, you know, if, if you've read any of our recaps of the games or not. Uh, obviously, maybe you're new to Circling South Sports on Converge. Um, but if not, if you check uh, our Circling Sales Sports' website, or Converge's website on the blogs tab or our article tab, you get our game recaps of every home game that our teams play in the city of Seattle. Um, oh, yes, this Rangers team has been, you know, at least during this series, the stat was still accurate, so it could be wrong by now. But the Rangers have been the best team in runs per game uh, in all of baseball. They've got a lot of good contributors right now. They finally seem to have things clicking uh, in Bruce Bochy's first year as the manager. And I don't know how long that'll last. I don't know how long some of these uh, players will hold up in terms of injury. Obviously, look at Jacob deGrom. Hopefully, you don't want to wish injury on anybody, but he's dealing with something right now. So... Point being, this is a good Rangers team. So to blank them was very nice. George Kirby is our first player of the game, having an excellent seven innings pitched. Six hits allowed, no runs allowed, no walks, and nine strikeouts. Um, and our second player of the game is catcher Tom Murphy. Two hits, two runs, two RBIs, and one walk. Featured in our photo of the game by Brian Saldana as the Murph uh, is usually the one who dishes out the uh, Gatorade bass, but he willingly accepted this one uh, and just kind of let it all hang out. May 10th versus the Rangers to close out the series. Seattle set up the rubber match, wanted to get the win here, the series win. They couldn't do so. They would lose three to four. Our player of the game, shortstop JP Crawford, one hit, one run, one RBI, and one walk. This is a tough one. Uh, it was like the story of most of the year for Seattle. Uh, their starting pitching did all they could. Uh, Texas added runs kind of throughout the course of the game, they didn't get like a burst inning per se. The Mariners brought it within one late, but were not able to push the tying run across and would fall to end the homestand at a three and three record. Um, our play of the game is not necessarily directly related. Our photo of the game, pardon me, is not directly related to any of the action, but our photographer on site, Liz Walter, got a great uh, photo of Gino here putting on his glasses, a little bit of an expression, you know, so it's, it's, nice, to, it's nice to see that with Gino, um, obviously trying to bring the good vibes. So we move over here now to the Tigers series uh, to start a three-team, three nine-road trip, nine-game road trip. Um, and it started out well. It started out well. Uh, May 12th, the first game of the series, a 9-2 to win. Our player of the game, center fielder Julio Rodriguez, three hits, two runs, and four RBIs, a, including a two-run opposite field homer. Uh, if you haven't been following it too closely, closely, the Mariners have moved Julio out of the leadoff spot as he struggled a little bit uh, at this point of the year. Uh, and he's seen he's seen some better results over the past seven games. Not the greatest uh, batting average, um, but he, he's had some better days, which is a positive sign. Um, so hoping just to continue to build upon that um, as the season rolls on. Uh, May 13th at the Tigers, a 5 to nothing win. So Seattle gets the first two games of the series, takes the series win. <coughs> and uh, our player of the game, number one, Bryce Miller, continues to be excellent uh, for the Mariners uh, in his first three starts. Seven innings pitched, three hits, given up no runs allowed, no walks, and three strikeouts on 82 pitches. And our second player of the game, designated hitter Teoscar Hernandez. Teo getting a day off in terms of playing in the field. Uh, produces three hits, one run, and two RBI, um, including a solely, solo homer. A solely homer? A solo homer at the dish. Um, nice for him as well. He had, he had seen some struggles to begin uh, as well. May 14th at the Tigers, trying to close things out, unable to do so, a 3-5 to five loss. Uh, the Mariners had a grand opportunity at the end of the game uh, with two runners on. Just couldn't get anything to go. 
Uh, I played the game Julio Rodriguez once again, one hit, one run, one RBI, and one walk. So um, we'll go quickly over to our player of the week here before we talk about those past six games. Uh, our player of the week, obviously, first baseman Ty France, as you can see on your screen. Uh, six games played over the past week. Excuse me, 10 hits, five runs, one homer, four RBI, one walk, a 370 batting average, a 433 on base percentage, and a 519 slugging percentage. It's actually over the last seven games. I apologize. So, I mean, I'll look at it this way. We kind of talked about it. Um, there we go. Kind of talked about it as we went through the games there. Uh, the Rangers are a good team to begin the year. They've got some damn solid starting pitching. That doesn't include Jacob deGrom and Nathan Evaldi right now, uh, who are out with injury. And they've got a lot of talent as well, you know, in terms of just their starting lineup. Uh, they don't have Corey Seager right now, but Marcus Simeon uh, played a factor in that game on the Wednesday to end the series, the getaway game. Adelis Garcia leads the league in RBIs. His rest of the numbers aren't too crazy, but, you know, he's had a solid year. Uh, Josh Young is still an exciting player. They've got talent up and down that lineup, uh, and they've been able to produce this year. They've been one of the best teams in the American League this year, one of the best teams in baseball. Uh, really good offensive team as well. So that's why, you know, to you lose a series, yes, but to lose them, lose a series by a, a combined two runs, is not bad, and especially considering that if you look at like the the margins of victory, Seattle won the margins of victory by three runs technically. So could be worse, you know. It's it's May, so I'm not worrying about things. Again, this team was under 500 in June, I believe, of last year. Uh, Ten games under 500, and they were able to make the playoffs. So I'm not worried about it. Uh, you just like to see continued consistent growth, whether that's at the plate. You know, being able to be more consistent at the plate, not having just one burst of an inning of offense and then trying to let that be the only run support that you give your starting pitchers. Uh, the starting pitching has been still damn solid. Um, when I made the statistics graphics uh, for today's game, uh, the where was it? The team's uh, batting average against and oh, what are the. Batting average against, and what was the other? Oh, goodness. I apologize. Um, there were a bunch of things to pay attention to today. Let's see. Starting pitching. Do, 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 do. Team, or, oh, yeah, team ERA was second in all of baseball, and the opponent batting average was third in all of baseball. So you have those two stats, both of them being in the top three in all of baseball, considering some of the rotations that there are. It's pretty good, and it's hard to be mad at it. Some pieces of the bullpen have struggled. Matt Brash really struggled in this uh, the, four, the May 14th loss against the Tigers. So you, it's been tough for Brash. I feel like, you know, and I could be missing something out of this, but it feels like they've had to use Brash a little bit more um, with Andres Munoz out, Diego Castillo being sent down to Tacoma, Matt Festa being sent down to Tacoma. You've had Gabe Spire and Justin Topa and uh, Spire Topa. Um, you've had some guys step up, obviously, but I feel like they've had to lean on Brash a little bit more uh, in some extent. Uh, and I, I feel like it might be getting to him a bit. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, but overall, not a bad past six games, you know, to it's funny. You go three and three here uh, as well, uh, similar to the past homestand. So uh, again, it's May. Uh, you've got some important guys injured. Uh, Julio's trying to get out of that slump. Ty France is hitting well. Uh, J.P. Crawford's hit well. Colton Wong and Jose Caballero have started to pick the pieces up a little bit. Jose, uh, Eugenio's in a little bit of a slump. Um, Jared's been Jared to begin the year. Uh, Teoscar, yeah, figure things out. So, and Cal's kind of struggled, but Tom Murphy seems to be figuring things out a bit too. So it's like you're never going to have all of those guys clicking. Right. I think it's about something, again, going back to it, being able to find a more consistent basis for everybody um, in terms of in terms of the best, at least, because a lot of those guys are playing pretty solidly um, out in the field. Seattle's ranked second in uh, I believe it's in team feeling percentage in all of baseball. So it's not like their defense is bad. I've seen. Oh, sorry. Giant fly. 
Um, it's not like Seattle's been poor defensively. I've seen that this course happen throughout the year to begin this 2023 season and just hasn't made sense considering where Seattle ranks defensively. So I think that it just might be fans over, uh, overreacting. Lord knows that doesn't happen with Mariners fans. So uh, we'll continue on here with some injury-related updates here on May 9th. Uh, we got some updates on some guys. Andres Munoz had a PRP shot in his shoulder last week, but he won't be ready to go out on a rehab assignment until the end of the month. <coughs> Excuse me. First baseman Evan White will have another hip surgery that will keep him out for three months. So another bad beat for Evan White. It always sucks to see his name uh, involved when it comes to injury-related updates. Infielder slash outfielder Dylan Moore is getting closer to returning to baseball activity, and he could go out on a rehab assignment in eight to ten days. Uh, remember, that is on ninth, so we might see that uh, in a few days here uh, with the Rainiers. They just finished up a homestand uh, against the Reno Aces. May 12th, we got some updates. Robbie Ray joined the team in Detroit. It's the first time with the team since surgery. I have to preface that he is looking at a return time of 14 months, so it's no more than him just joining the team, which is good to see. Uh, I know he's been an important clubhouse presence, uh, especially to those pitchers, the younger pitchers, um, but it's not like he's, he's joining the you know, or join the rotation anytime soon. Uh, and Penn Murphy is in Arizona and is set to throw a live batting practice, then get some games in down there. If all goes well, he should join the team on this current nine-game road trip. There's another injury to the bullpen. Goodness gracious. So we look ahead here for our Mariners, who had a, sit at a 20-20 and 20 record on the season, 2020 vision. Uh, fourth in the American League West right now, right below the Angels. The Astros have jumped up to second in the division, uh, over, overtaking the Angels. Uh, they'll continue this road trip heading up to Boston, or if you want me to reference a song, a song because it's shipping out to Boston. Uh, all three of the games that they're going to play against the Red Sox on May 15th, 16th, and 17th are all at 4.10 p.m. Pacific, which is kind of odd, but... I digress. Um, unsure currently if we'll see former Mariners starter James Paxson, who finally returned to action and had a pretty solid start uh, this past week, actually. And it was nice to see that. Um, let's see. I wonder if it'll show us. He's not currently slated to start any of the games against the Mariners. Um, so that's that's un it would have been cool to see Pax. Um, but just glad to have him pitching again. Anyway, uh, those are the times and the days, obviously, for those games. Kind of makes it easy with all, all of them being at the same time. And then down to the Braves. This should be an interesting series. The Braves are a very good team uh, with, you know, both great hitting and great pitching. Uh, they will play them May 19th at 4.20 p.m. Pacific time, uh, May 20th. Uh, a 4.15 p.m. Pacific time start, and then May 21st, a 10.35 a.m. Pacific time start uh, to finish out that road trip before they come back to Seattle. Um, who do they come back against? I forgot. I think it's the Athletics, actually. So uh, we move over here to our Seattle Storm, who played a closed-door scrimmage down in Los Angeles. Uh, they would win that closed-door scrimmage, 76 to 69. Our player of the game, Arella Girantes, 13 points, two rebounds, and one, one assist, and one block. Uh, she did all this off the bench, actually, for the Storm, um, who were able to end the preseason with a one and one record, which is nice to see. Uh, again, there's been a lot of talk about this team. Uh, of one friend on Twitter who continues to use the word tank with this team, and I like to have the hope that they're going to be able to you know, put some fight, put some fight up um, and not just kind of take the season lying down. I think there's a lot of, again, I will say this again. Uh, I think this is a team that has a lot of players that are looking to prove, uh, prove people wrong, whether it's people that passed up on them in free agency or cut them <coughs> or this and this and that. And I think that all of that could together will come out with a pretty solid team, you know? So, um, after all, there's still Jewel Lloyd on this team. Young Ezzy Magbergor is still on this team. So, uh, you know, I want to have that hope in this roster and believe that they can mix it, do some damage, but we'll have to see. Uh, with all of that being taken into consideration, they have to come up with a final, um, final roster. We actually do have the date here, date and time 
for when that final roster needs to be turned in. Thursday, May 18th, uh, with a 2 p.m. deadline, is when that final roster will be finalized. Seattle is already moving towards making that final roster, uh, waving two players over the past week. On the 9th, the team waved guard Jade Lowville. Lowville, the team's third-round pick in the 2023 draft, out of the University of Arizona, scored four points in seven minutes on two for four shooting in the uh, preseason game on Monday. She's a native of Sammamish, and she averaged nine point eight game point nine point eight points per game in thirty two games with the Wildcats in two thousand twenty two to twenty three. Um, so again, this was a move that I saw happening. Again, it was very hard for me to envision Lovell making this roster. We talked about it um, on the Circling Seattle Sports. Uh, recapping the 2023 WNBA draft for the Storm, uh, it just seemed hard, and especially with a limited skill set, uh, I didn't expect it to happen. Also, considering the fact that there is a mixture of um, veteran guards and some young and higher prospect sort of guards on this team, so it just didn't seem to add up for Lovell to make this roster. And, you know, so that that's obviously we like to see the locals uh, get in and compete but it just didn't make sense. Uh, before we get to the other pick uh, that was cut there, on the 11th, the team was reportedly still in the mix to sign Gabby Williams. Uh, head coach Noelle Quinn said that she had talked to Gabby on Wednesday, this past Wednesday, and that there's a chance that she rejoins Seattle depending on how her team in France fares in the playoffs. Her team in France continues throughout their postseason run. <coughs> Excuse me. So it likely becomes impossible that she can join the team. But head coach Quinn did not rule it out if her team made the finals. So I guess we'll have to see what the update is on that. Um, the prioritization rule was specifically written to apply to free agents uh, to players who haven't completed their offseason playing obligations by the start of the season, quote unquote, shall not be eligible to sign a player contract covering all or any part of the 2023 season. So this rule by the WNBA just continues to hurt. I just think it continues to hurt them. Uh, you've got players who like to play overseas and, you know, it is a big help to their career and their living um, to go overseas and uh, and play with these teams. So I don't know. I just think it's a stupid rule. Uh, I think it's harmful to them. So uh, that sucks. Um but it seems unclear with uh, head coach Quinn talking about if that team made the finals, that there's a possibility. So we'll keep an eye on that, but I'm right now going to close the door on the possibility of Gabby Williams starting the store. So also the broadcast schedule was revealed. Uh, oops. We will go back over here. Here it is. Um, not major news, but it's something, you know, obviously with women's sports getting, these games onto platforms that people can find is a big deal. So that factors into it. Um, all 30, wait, 30 storm games can be seen locally on Fox 13. So that's a big help or Fox 13 plus in the Seattle area, while the remaining 10 will be available nationally on ABC, ESPN, or ION TV. ABC or ESPN will carry five storm games on its national platform, including three of the first seven games of the season pretty good uh, in addition ion which is the kwpx channel 33 in seattle so that helps you there is carrying five games as part of the national broadcast partnership with the wnba announced this past week all 30 of the non-national games are also available on amazon prime video that's where i watch a lot of them so if you need if you're if you want to watch the w and you want to watch some great basketball buy league pass but amazon prime video if you've got that that helps as well. It's the official streaming home of the Storm. Uh, four of the Storm games will be available nation nationwide as part of the Amazon broadcast partnership with the WNBA, with the remaining 26 available to fans throughout Washington State. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a big help there um, if you want to find these games. Obviously, when we do our game day posts on uh, week by week, obviously, we'll let you know what where to find these games but it's important to sort of have this idea of where to find them and know that they're going to be um, where they're going to be at, you know, like, especially with the NWSL, a lot of people are asking me uh, about Paramount plus um, the rain game today uh, was actually on Fox 13 plus, And we have that here. So that was nice. Um, but yes, obviously being able to find these games is a big deal. Um, 
So we continue with the cuts here. On the 12th, the team waved toward Matty Williams. Williams, a six-foot forward from Oklahoma, earned All-American honorable mention recognition in back-to-back seasons. She was Seattle's um, first of two picks in the second round, and she will not make the roster. <clears throat> I... I had a little hope that Maddie could make the roster, but also, you know, same thing sort of in the guard department. Um, there's just a lot of forwards on this roster, and it's just – it's it's going to be tough. There's not enough roster space. You'd like to see the WNBA change that going forward, uh, but for now, that's just not the reality. And a lot of talented players will not be on a roster to begin the year. So we round out our storm here. Uh, the regular season is already coming up. I was – preparing for the show when I was like, no, it can't be. There's no way we've already got the regular season on tap. And it is. So May 20th uh, versus the Las Vegas Aces. That is a, it's a Saturday. Yes. Oops. There we go. May 20th versus the Aces is a 12 p.m. tip-off against the defending champs, against a, a super team uh, with Kelsey Plum, with Asia Wilson, with Candace Parker, with Chelsea Gray. Uh I, uh, I'm giving me a headache thinking about this team, uh, especially saying the name Chelsea Gray after uh, after last year's series against the Aces and just seeing that name again and again and again on the scoreboard. Terrible. Nightmare, in fact. So that's the regular season opener. It's going to be a big deal. Um, oh, shoot. Like all this stuff about telling you when these games, when these games, I said, I try to say games and aces at the same time, um, where these games are going to be broadcast. So this regular season opener, oh man, I say that and then shoot. Okay, we'll find it here. We will figure out <laughs> schedule. The regular season opener for the Storm and the Aces is on ABC. All right, there we go. That helps you out there. That game will be on ABC, so that makes it easy to find for you. But also, if you're in the state of Washington, Amazon Prime Video help you out a lot there. Uh, looking over to our Sounders here, they had an interesting week. Um, you could look at these two results that they had as not positive, potentially. Um, but one of the maybe few positives for the Sounders over these past two matches was Paul Rothrock. So we move on here um, to the first of the two, May 10th at the LA Galaxy for another round of the U.S. Open Cup. Seattle would lose this one, one to three, an early goal. Um, got things started for the Galaxy, and then it was just kind of all Galaxy from that point in time, unfortunately. Um, Rothrock would get a goal here, but the Galaxy just kind of, ramped on uh, and they would move on and that would end Seattle's uh, participation in the tournament. Uh, Rothrock was our player of the match, a 7.5 match rating, one goal on two shots and an 83% passing percentage. Um, That's tough. You know, it just, the U S open cup hasn't been a big deal since Smetcher has been here. I don't necessarily blame him. It's nice to win trophies, but this one, I'm not too concerned about necessarily. Uh, I still do like winning, but I don't think it's the end of the world here. Um, we move over here to May 13th uh, with MLS regular season play at the Houston Dynamo. Uh, before this, no team had scored on the Dynamo in Houston. Uh, it took a while, especially considering the fact that during the in the ninth minute of the match, uh, the contest had to be uh, sent into a weather delay because of lightning. Uh, for an hour, uh, <laughs> and this this you know, goal didn't come until late in the match, and Houston actually had a few red cards happen. Um, <laughs> uh, but Seattle would win this one on the road to pick up pick up the points, uh, thanks to another good performance by Paul Rothrock. One goal, which was the game winner on one shot, and once again, eighty three percent passing. So, uh, yeah, a bit of an odd week, as I said. But nice to nice to get the points down there in Houston again to be the only team that um, has scored on the Dynamo in their building this year. You know, it didn't come until the 83rd minute. Uh, Rothrock had become a substitute. He's on a short-term agreement for that game. 
and he's he's scored in all three of the contests that he's been in with Seattle this year. Um, so I, I Brian Schmetzer talked about it in the post game press conference. He's fought for the ability for a first team contract, and maybe he'll get it. You know, it's he's played well. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry, folks. Again, I am battling whatever that is. Um, he scored yeah in all three of his first team appearances, uh, which is again incredible. Uh, Start to see if they have a number on the red cards. Stephen Fry now leads the MLS in shutouts this year, which is nice to see. Um, Okay, here we go. Houston forward Amine Basi was issued a red card in the 21st minute, forcing the home side to play with 10. Hector Herrera was then issued a second yellow card in the 78th minute. So, yeah, Houston was down to nine men, uh, and it took until the 83rd minute uh, for the Sounders to score there. So unfortunate, uh, but just glad to get the points. An ugly win for sure, but glad to get the points. Uh, We'll look at injury notes for these two matches in this match against L.A., uh, Christian Roldan was out with concussion protocol. Kellen Rose and Kellen Rowe and Raul Ruiz Diaz continue to be out uh, with their respective injuries. Rowe being a left knee sprain and Ruiz Diaz being out with a hamstring train. Both of those guys obviously out for weeks. Uh, and Nuhu was questionable with an illness but did not play. And then the injury report at Houston. Um, goodness, six different players on the injury report. All of them out. Leo True is out with a left midfoot sprain. Nuhu continues to be out with that illness. He's still batting with malaria. And he has been said that he's fine, um, but still working with that. Christian Don continues to be taken slow as he covers from the concussion protocols, and they want to make sure that it's completely gone before he gets back to play. Kellen Rowe continues to be out. Uh, same with Rui Diaz. And then Obed Vargas uh, is out with international duty, and we'll get to that next. So on the 10th, uh, Obed Vargas was named to the U.S. Youth National Team roster for the U-20 FIFA World Cup. He is the youngest player on the team's roster. Um, he was named to that final roster, uh, which will take place uh, in the U-20 World Cup in Argentina. Head coach Mikey Varas named 21 players to his final roster for the upcoming tournament, lasting from May 20th to June 11th. Um, they kick off Group B play on Saturday the 20th against Ecuador before facing Fiji on Tuesday, May 23rd, and Slovakia on Friday, May 26th. All three of the matches kick off on at 11 a.m. and being broadcast on Fox Sports and Telemundo platforms. Uh, ooh, I might watch some of those then. The U-20s are set to trade in Buenos Aires before traveling on Monday the 15th to San Juan, that's today, which is hosting all three of the group stage matches. So uh, Seattle sits at a seven win, three loss, two draw record. They are third in all of MLS uh, and first still in the Western Conference, which is incredible to believe after the last few performances that they've had, including the sporting Kansas City loss. Uh, Looking ahead, their next contest is May 17th versus Austin FC. Uh, They will play (laughs) uh, former sounder Will Bruin, who actually was leading uh, MLS in passing percentage, which was kind of funny. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, back at home on Wednesday the 17th with a kickoff time of 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. Now, perhaps the hottest ticket, the hottest mention uh, in all of Seattle, the Seattle Kraken here. Uh, today is the day of Game 7, so if you're watching this, actually, we're just minutes uh, <laughs> before Game 7 uh, puck drop. So we may have to figure out to schedule this a little ooh, giant fly again, uh, either schedule this a little bit before our four o'clock start time because puck drops at five uh, or and people just may miss the end of the show. So we're going to try our best. Um, we'll get into here. The last three games of the series, uh, May 4th, game 4th, pardon me. Game four was May 9th versus the Stars, a three to six loss. Our player of the game forward, Jaden Schwartz. Schwartz, he two goals, two points, a one plus minus, three shots, and four takeaways. Um, so, unfortunately, uh, it would send the series back to Dallas at an even two to two. Seattle could not uh, get in the upper hand there. Game five, another unfortunate result uh, on May 11th at the Stars, a two to five loss. Our player of the game defenseman, Adam Larson. The big cat was on the prowl with one goal, uh, one point, four shots, two hits, and one takeaway. So Seattle is down three to two, setting up a do or die game for them at Climate Pledge Arena in game six. They were able to respond uh, 
with a win on May 13th, a 6-3 win. Uh, two players of the game here, one of them pictured in our photo of the game by our photographer, Liv Lyons. Look at the Yanni Mean mug in the front. You've got three different reactions there from that line. Um, and I think it's just great that this photo here was taken, considering that we had uh, another sort of celebration photo early in the year from this line with Gord and Bjorkstrand and Tolvanen. And we get another one uh, with the whole line here. Um, our first play of the game for Jordan Everly, who is not pictured. Two goals, one assist, three points, a three plus minus. Three shots, one hit, and one block. And our second, who is pictured, Ford Ellie Tolvanen, one goal, two assists, three points, a two plus minus, three shots, one hit, and one block. Uh, our player of the week, as we continue on, is for Jordan Eberle, as again, like last week, two goals, two assists, four points, four shots, three hits, and two blocks uh, on those past three games. So <sighs> Seattle's in it. Seattle is in it. They are one game away from the Western Conference Finals just a year after their inaugural season that obviously didn't go the way that anybody wanted. Uh, they were picked to not make the playoffs this year, and they did that. They were picked to not get past the Colorado, Aval Colorado Avalanche in round one, and they did that. So they were also, also heavily bet against in this Dallas series, and they've taken it to a seventh game. So... A lot of people have argued that Seattle is playing with house money, and they are. They are, but it's not unreasonable also to have both to have both pieces. Uh, how, what, what's, this, what's the term? Uh, it, you, you can have your cake and eat it too, considering that this is very possible that the Kraken can win this game and move on. Uh, they're going to have to start well like they did in game six and game three and game one. Uh but one big key is protecting that high slot, that inner part of it. Because if you look at moneypuck.com, great website, <clears throat> and you look at the scoring chances for the Stars and where they have succeeded, um, a lot of them are right in front of the crease. And that sort of thing can happen. Obviously, with Joe Pavelski, that can happen. And the ability that he has in front of the net, uh, the, the expertise that he is able to display, that can happen with him. But in general... You know, and that's just a standard hockey thing. And, you know, giving up the surrendering, those high chances, those dangerous chances, not good. Um, you know, we've obviously seen what Dallas can do when they catch Seattle and odd man rushes. Um, just those rushes in general that the Stars get. So, uh, obviously, I you know, it's an, it's an obvious one and it's not like an, an easy fix per se. But, you know, Hexel talked about it throughout the series. Seattle has to be detail-oriented. Uh, and they've gone through a game seven, so they know what they need to do. They've gone through the, these elimination games before now. So all obviously during this playoff run. So I think it's very realis realistic that they could do it. Uh, but obviously this is a stars team that has a ton of talent. They're a deep team. Jake Ottinger is still Jake Ottinger. Uh, so uh, I think if Seattle plays up to their potential that they can win this thing, uh, but it's going to be tough, and especially doing it on the road in Dallas. But again, on the other hand, there are a lot of point-counterpoint here uh, with this Kraken team. So uh, it's just been a lot of fun uh, on this ride to to cover this team. So, <coughs> excuse me, that's not fun. Um, we'll look to something that's – I don't want to use that word again. We'll look to something that's not so positive here with injury-related news. Uh, we found out um, – during the series that Daniel Sprong was listed day-to-day -day with an upper body injury. It is a head injury. I can confirm that. Um, he won't be available for the rest of the series. He was on the ice prior to game six on a non-scheduled morning skate. The scratches for the day, uh, Kale Fleury, Jacob Magna, and Sprong were all out there with Chris Trieger getting work in. Uh, Andre Burakovsky was there in flip-flops and a hoodie, and he was chirping Daniel Sprong. Uh, he wasn't doing any work, so don't get too excited. Um but it was good to see Sprong on the ice, uh, be it that Burakovsky was chirping him or not. So um, we'll move on here with team-related news. On the ninth, it was announced that Chris Drieger, speaking speak of Chris Drieger, uh, is the team's nominee for the King Clancy Memorial Trophy. Uh, he has been a big part in Drieger's Keeper, something that he started uh, during his recovery to help uh, goalies in the area get the gear that they need, get the training that they need, obviously considering uh, the sort of price that it comes at. 
So uh, literally price. On May 11th, the team signed defenseman Ty Nelson to a three-year entry-level contract at 925000 AAV. Nelson is expected to join the Coachella Valley Firebirds, who are set to face off against the Calgary Wranglers in the first game of their three-round series. Um, ooh, I should check if they got a number. We have a friend on Twitter who asked me what his number would be, um, and I had not seen it yet. But game three is actually tonight against Calgary. Let's see. We go to transactions in the AHL. Okay, so they the deal went through, but is he listed on the Ross? Aha, he will be 24. Okay, I'll tweet at him soon. Uh, <laughs> uh, Nelson is a 19-year-old. He spent the 2022-23 season with the North Bay Battalion of the OHL, the Ontario Hockey League, setting career highs in goals, assists, points and games played and finished the year ranked third on both his team and among all OHL defensemen in scoring his 76 points sitting North base franchise record for most points by a defenseman in a single season. He had a 25 points in their 20 playoff games, leading all OHL skaters in scoring. Wow. Uh, and helping the battalion reach the third round of the playoffs. Nelson's playoff run included recording an 11-game point streak Wow, from April 5th to 23rd, which was tied for the longest postseason point streak during the OHL playoffs. The 5'10", 203-pound defenseman has totaled 127 points uh, in two seasons within the OHL, both with the battalion. He, learned, he earned all OHL honors, uh, rookie honors, all OHL OHL All-Rookie Second Team Honors, I apologize. I promise you I can read. After recording 51 points and leading first-year players and assists, his 51 points led all rookie defensemen in 21-22 and were good for fifth among rookies in scoring. He was Seattle's third-round pick, uh, 68 overall in the 2022 NHL draft. I'm excited about Nelson. He's got a really hard shot, obviously can can jump into the play. He's not the biggest defenseman, but he's a sturdy guy um, from the blue line. And he's a fun personality as well. So uh, just any comments around around the national uh, about Seattle not having a good system? Obviously, they've only been around for two years, but there's a ton of talent uh, that's coming through the ranks uh, of this Seattle development system. And I think any comment doubting that is stupid, arguably because those people don't pay attention to this team. So eh. um, in league news, there's not too much league news uh, besides the fact, well, Ryan Reynolds won't pursue his bid of the senators. So there's that, but on the Eastern conference finals, uh, it will be the Florida Panthers uh, versus the Carolina hurricanes. So one of the Florida teams uh, will be heading, not, Lightning either uh, will be heading to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, we look ahead, and it's the big one. It's it's the two of the most stressful words in all. Excuse me, of sports. Game seven tonight, May fifteenth, at the Dallas Stars at five o'clock. Excuse me, that game will be on ESPN. I don't know if we're gonna make the marks, the five uh, the, the hour mark, boys. We're gonna try. Um, we move over here to our oil rain, a tough loss today out on the road, uh, May 14th at the North Carolina courage after finally getting a sort of week of, of rest slash training, uh, after the last week was three matches in seven days, our rain fell on the road, uh, in a one to nothing loss, our play of the match outside wing back, Sofia Huerta, Huerta, a 7.3 match rating, 70% passing three chances created. That's good in any game, uh, and 75% of her tackles won. The Rangers couldn't get anything going um, really here in terms of offensive attack. Uh, Jordan Heidema had a solid header opportunity in the later stages of the match, but couldn't get it past Casey Murphy. Um, and Tyler Lussie's gold goal in the first half loomed large as the rain could not come up with an equalizer, unfortunately. Um, Quinn was able to uh, come back. They were available for selection in this match, and they did come out as a substitute later, um, but weren't able to provide that spark to help um, get an equalizer and or a victory, but in the end, good to see them back out on the pitch. Uh, the injury report against North Carolina, uh, most of the usual suspects, Angelina continues to be out. I, I, I don't mean suspects in a negative connotation either. Um, that's more so in a fact that uh, 
they've been on this report for weeks now. Angelina continues to be out with that knee injury, but she is pro, uh, progressing well and participating in training with the team. Rose Lavelle continues to be out with a leg injury. Um, that is something again that they are they're working on with Rose uh, to make sure that she's ready to go for the World Cup. Uh, Phoebe McLaren continues to be out with a back injury, and Olivia Vanderyat continues to be out with an excused absence. Um, so the rain sit with a, I want to quickly touch on this, you know, uh, it's a tough loss at the end of the day. One, nothing always is kind of tough because you get shut out. Uh, you always wonder about how that one goal could have been prevented. Uh, I, I talked about it last week, I think with not having the best success in North Carolina that continues. Uh, so the rain sit at a four win, two loss, one draw record. They are second in the league table behind the Washington spirit with 13 points and first in the West of the challenge cup, um, <clears throat> excuse me, with four points looking ahead, uh, their next match is May 21st versus the New York, New Jersey Gotham at 3 PM Pacific time, uh, back at Lumen field when the rain will uh, have a AANHPI heritage celebration, though that will be very cool to see. Um, please uh, wish well your Filipino host here as we get through uh, the month. So we move over now to finish out with our Seawolves, who things were too, looking uh, too good on Saturday with the Seawolves. Uh, they were down 9 to 12, no, 3 to 12 at half, uh, and were able to make the comeback and get the victory against the third place Houston Sabercats. Uh, a 34 to 17 victory. Our player of the match, uh, wing Inafuti. So a week after Rika Hatting records the third hat trick in Seawolves club history and the 26th in MLR history, uh, Futi has a hat trick, 15 points scored, three tries scored, obviously for the hat trick. Nine ball carries and 101 running meters. Uh, yeah, Seattle had only the AJ Alatimu kick through the first 40 minutes of the match. Uh, it was going kind of slow. Again, this is a Houston team that is in the third place uh, of the Western Conference for a reason. Uh, but Seattle able to get a big comeback, not uh, doing so without their captain, Rico Tatting. And they get a big victory. You know, I, I don't know at this point in time if they'll be able to catch up with San Diego in terms of the number one spot in the Western Conference or the league. Uh, but this is a big victory, irregardless of that, to maintain that number two spot in the West um, and keep up the positive momentum. They've now won three games in a row. So Toronto, Dallas, and Houston, knock on wood, um, as we continue out here through the final two months of the regular season. Uh if you haven't been following along with it, and I just mentioned to you, yes, on the ninth, it was announced that uh, number eight and team captain Enrico Tadding suffered a injury in the match against Dallas, uh, which required surgery. He will be rehabbing for a few weeks and should be back before the regular season ends, which should be good. But, uh, you know, with a performance like the Seawolves had against Houston, very good to see it. Uh, very positive considering the fact that he's been such a big factor in this team and he's the team captain. Um, so nice for Hatting to rehab there and hopefully the Seawolves are able to step up and fill in that void uh, as he continues to train and rehab. So the Seawolves sit at a nine and two record, 44 standing points, uh, good for second in all of the league, let alone the Western Conference. Their next game is back at home at Starfire Stadium. Uh, May 20th versus the Chicago Hounds is a 7.30 p.m. Pacific time start. Uh, Chicago in their first year in MLR has struggled uh, and Seattle will look to continue things going, some tune up some things um, to finish out the season. Uh, because of time constraints, not able to do the Sea Dragons. We'll do that next week. Um, and our Seattle Star of the Week, to wrap things up, is Inafuti with that hat trick. Again, very impressive to to have two hat tricks in the past two weeks. But Futi's been the guy that impressed me in preseason. Uh, and to see him contribute in a game where Seattle was without their captain and needed a comeback, and to have him be such a big part of that comeback uh, was great to see. So hats off to you. Inafuti uh, for that performance and hopefully uh, more to come. Again, I know he's a young player and uh, pressed in my in preseason, at least to me. So anyway, you know, uh, it is it is a big day Monday today with the, the, the Kraken playing game seven. We've got a big week ahead as just about all our teams are firing. So 
enjoy the weather, stay safe, you know, use fans or if you have air conditioning in Seattle, which isn't likely, uh, do whatever you can, you know, uh, be safe, be well, take care of yourself and do whatever you can to make today a great day. Love you guys. Take care. Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.